Welcome to the Emergent Intelligence Podcast by me, Dom Krishnan, where we will be profiling interesting people trying to create a ripple in the world around them. For more episodes, check out domkrishnan.com. Today, we're talking to Jen Hoare, a co-founder of Fluence. Jen originally is from Switzerland and has been in the UK tech scene for many years. She is currently working on solving issues around quality assurance and knowledge management in regulatory organisations using artificial intelligence. Let's sit down together. Hi, Jen. Hi, John. Good to, good to connect with you on here again. Um, I kind of wanted to get an introduction and talk a little bit about yourself um, before we get into the business and the solution. I really want to kind of get at the surface, under the surface as to who is Jen, what were you doing before you started on this business venture, um, who were you at school, what did you study? Can you give a little bit of a background as to who you were and how did you get here? Yeah, yeah, okay. So um, I was actually born and raised in Switzerland, um, but both my parents are British, they're actually from the northeast. Um, not that I think you can tell from my accent, I think I sound like I'm from a little bit of everywhere. Yeah. Um, I have two younger sisters. Um, we're all totally different. Um, at school, I was actually never really that good at anything. So I know a lot of people would say, oh, you know, I was really good at this particular subject, or I always knew I was great at mathematics. I was never that person. My main aim and ambition during school life was to not be the worst. Um, so I was just desperate not to be at that bottom set and try to sort of stay, stay in the middle where I could. Um, I don't think I was particularly naughty. I think I've always had, in, growing up in Switzerland, you have um, a, a level of respect for sort of people a bit older. So I don't think I was too naughty. I probably talked too much. I imagine that would have been my, um, the thing I got told off for the most. Um, yeah, how far back? Do you want to know about my parents or university or where do we go from here? Yeah, so what, what did you, so you were at school, were you in the clique or... Like, so you, you were doing a, doing bits and pieces to keep your head above water? Were you... Yeah, I was... Were you, were you in the library friends. a lot, never, or were you... Was I a geek? No. So, no, no, no. So I was definitely, out of um, as three girls, sort of the sisters, I was definitely the party girl. That would be my label, and probably the social butterfly, although I don't feel like that now. Um, I, I always had a good group of friends around me, but I tended to have few very very good friends rather than a huge group so I've yeah. never said I was in masculine with the cool kids but I was also never not the cool kid I was just normally off doing my own thing a little bit with a few good people around me um I actually even did nightlife photography when I was in high school much oh, wow. to my parents disappointment well not I'm sure if they were disappointed but I was out a lot and pretending to do this um yeah before Facebook, there was these um, websites where you'd take pictures of people out clubbing and then you'd get to comment on those pictures. And that was, that was the first bit of social media. So that's part of that. Wow. So nightlife photography? Got you, was, that in, yeah. was that the secondary school before you went into university? Or? Yeah, high school. So in Switzerland, you can um, start going out when you're 16. You're allowed to drink wine and beer. Um, so probably from about the age of 16 and then actually I did terribly in my junior year so when I was 15 I moved over to an international school before that I actually learned to read and write in German first um, and then I went over to an international school with the hope that I might be able to get into a UK university 
and um, yeah, my junior year, so the, the, the sort of, you kind of have ju your junior year and your senior year where you do all your exams, I actually failed most of my exams because I was out a bit too much. So then in terms of did I go to the library, my senior year, I did double my classes. I would um, not go out on a Friday, which seemed very good for me. Um, I'd be in the library all day Saturday trying to make up all this double work that I'd created for myself the year before. And then I did go out on a Saturday night still. Right. That was yourself. my work-life balance. But you know what? I got really good grades in my, my last year of uni, uh, not uni, school. And um, yeah, I managed to pull it through. And I think my parents are pleased, but also it just shows that if I applied myself, I could have got there with a, a lot easier journey, but that seems to be the way I like to do things. Give yourself a challenge. <laughs> Give yourself a challenge. Yeah. So what did you go to study then? So you, you, you done well in your International yes. Business and Management at Aston University. Okay. Here in Birmingham. So that's when you come to, to Birmingham then? Yeah, 2006. And how did you find that? Do you, have you managed to use most of that for what you're doing today? really hard to know where you pick up your knowledge from isn't it it's, it's it's really hard to pinpoint when you've learned something or so I think during university I'd have been quite arrogant and cocky and thinking oh I'm not really learning very much here um but then I did do a placement year and I did start my first business up in my final year of university there was a lot of really good infrastructure that helped me do that so I, I think I did. I, for me, it was always easiest if I had a reason to learn something. So it was much easier when I did my placement year that there was a reason why I'd be, you know, trying to retain information or figure something out. And I'd much prefer to figure something out with a bit of knowledge around me than being spoon-fed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think Aston was a good choice in, the, in regards of, yes, I was able to start up a business in my final year. Probably didn't help my grades. But um, it, it was really good to be able to apply the business knowledge yeah so it's getting out of the theory into the practitioner mode so tell us a little bit about your yeah tell us a little bit about your first business then what what did you so it's always interesting to see what people start yes it was um, called data discretion and it was an encryption key um for personal use and it really used the metaphor of um a key like a front door so the encryption device, you would plug it in. It, I actually even bought USBs that were shaped like a key. Um, you'd plug it in, a little um, pop-up box would appear on your laptop, and you'd simply take any documents you'd want, drop and drag it onto the padlock icon that would appear, and then that's how you'd unlock it as well. So really, really simple, but it used one-time pad. It's a very high level of encryption. Um, it was really cool. It actually came about because someone had stolen my work, which I know we've discussed in the past, you know, how did these ideas come about and how frustrating it is when someone claims your work and it came out of that frustration. Um, and then I think it was talking to my dad about it and my dad is an absolute technical genius. He just comes up with these, so he came up with the tech solution and I was the business side, so business number one. So that's where you got to apply your, your studies then to the technology. Yeah. Right? Have you always been interested yeah, in technology? Yeah, I think it gave yeah, so my dad's um, been a CTO for several startups and sort of scale-ups and larger businesses um, and, and tech lead of some form throughout most of his career. Um, we've had a lot of technology, or we like to call them gadgets in our house. So I don't think I've, sounds probably a little bit diamond shoes are too tight, but I, 
I grew up just with it around me. So I didn't even realize how much tech I had in my life versus maybe other people. Um, I had a computer from a, well, not my own computer. We had a computer at home all the time I was growing up. Um, we were allowed to take apart broken computers that I brought back from the office. Um, so I'm very lucky in that regard. But I almost don't see the tech as being, I, I guess there would never be a business where you wouldn't use tech these days anyhow, but I guess that's how it evolved to me as well. Tech was always going to be part of it. So it's part of the dinner conversation. It's going to become part, yeah. of your, part of your life and then the interest in the, in the business element. So that's kind of, yeah. so you, you, I know that you've moved on from data discretion and you, you're now working on that something else. Miserably. That feels yeah. miserable. <laughs> I think this is, you know, I've, I've run a number of companies as well. And, you know, sometimes you've got to, you've got to put the chips in and see where they land. Um, and I'm sure you've learned a lot Absolutely. from that. And, and yes, I, I did. And, and that's, um, so in that way, it didn't fail, but I, I failed to raise the money I needed in order to continue it. Um, and I probably wasn't the best place to do that at that point. I probably didn't have the experience I needed, but it certainly helped me get to the experience that I've needed for the next company. So in that way, it has helped a lot. And I think that's, that's yeah. really important is taking those lessons with you. Um, it's quite hard as an entrepreneur, isn't it? To, at the time when you're, you're trying to raise capital or you're trying to bring on board clients to get them to buy into yeah. Yeah, I actually think one of the um, strengths that people don't talk about is when do you decide to call it? When's yeah. the curtain call? When, when is enough enough? And that's really hard. I mean, even applying for jobs, like when I knew I was going to be closing that one, that's really hard. And I had, you know, it felt like I was having to tell my dad as well, I'm running out of money and yeah. we'd all put time and money in and yeah, energy. Yeah. So I think closing it or deciding that enough's enough, that's, way harder than starting yeah because i think your identity gets wrapped up into some of it as well it's like who you are your networks that you build yeah. around you um you know I've, i find that quite difficult as well um so you're you've now started a new business um do yeah. you want to tell me a little bit about what you're working on at the moment and what you've been doing over the last couple of years um yeah when did it start so um i'm a i'm the co-founder of fluence and coo as well um, we spun off Fluence from a company called Rapid English in 2016 at the very end, in December. And Fluence um, applies forensic linguistics, which is most commonly used for criminal investigations. So you might hear it in terms of you know, terrorist activities so to try and identify when those things are happening. And um, so we use forensic linguistics and AI algorithms to help organizations be able to read all the content, all the documentation they have, um, all the industry reports, sector reports, whatever there might be, um, see what's there, understand it, and actually make it useful and, and make sense of it. And then really we want to give people in that organization the ability to access that sort of central knowledge base just at the click of a button. So we're, we're all about kind of extending one person's expertise to a whole organization in a very autonomous way. And I think that can sound a little bit scary. It can sound like, okay, the robots are coming for us um, and all humans are going to be replaced, but it's actually quite the opposite. Fluence is all about human intelligence and scaling it and making it consistent. It's about helping those communication barriers. So the way two people interpret um, a document will be totally different. Well, not totally different, but it could be different enough where it makes um, life difficult. Mm -hmm. So by having this dynamic um, 
very mathematical system in some ways to say we're dealing with language uh, really helps provide that feedback and extend expertise but also bring in expertise that are required so someone might be sitting in one corner of the office or not realize at all that what they're about to do has caused in the past legal concerns so nothing better than to flag that up and actually they can pop along to the legal team's office and make sure look this has come up uh, are there any tweaks is there anything we need to be concerned of and then it's a human decision what what happens with that but the flagging the sense checking the reading it's just helps people no no person can possibly read all the documentation an organization has not many want to so we do that bit yeah this is something that um, sounds uh, like an itch that i've been trying to scratch for a long time where in in healthcare specifically there's quite a lot of knowledge being created at any given time and trying to make sense yeah. of it and understand what good is is, is quite difficult especially at scale yeah um and yeah it sounds like it sounds like you have a solution that's starting to to tug at that so tell me a little bit about how you um because that's, that's quite a big ambition so how did how did you get to that piece like where where did that come about um you know what made you it's, focus it's been, on linguistics and ai so it's been it's evolved um so rapid english um was a company that delivered communicate sessions and that was all about trying to help people improve their communication to a point where they could get into either further education or their next college course and um it it kind of got to a point where we thought actually we don't just want to give someone the next bit of language that they need in terms of the English language, what we'd really like to do is be able to say, hey, let's look at um, what would someone need to learn to get into a mechanicals course, or what would someone need to do if they wanted to join KPMG, or, or whatever organization, what, what are the next bits of knowledge or language that someone needs to be able to acquire in order for them to be successful in their new situation or their desired situation. So we started counting lots of different bits of language, we started creating little um, tinkery type software bits to try and actually be more an education piece. And I guess it just evolved. Um, then we started using, um, so that forensic linguistics has always very much been part of our, our sort of core of what we do, but then bringing in AI. Um, and actually that's where my dad's come back into the picture, getting him involved. We were trying to solve something um, and we were up late last uh, uh, one night. I think we must have been about four or five of us in the office on a whiteboard trying to figure out this mathematical equation. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to call my dad. I'm just going to have to call my dad because I'm sure he will know and we've been here for hours or he'll have at least an idea of what I should Google. And um, yeah, he came back with this Excel sheet thing with these amazing formulas in it that just solved it within about an hour. Um, so that and then that just got bigger and bigger and bigger and then flew into spun off into its own sort of more, more deep tech kind of company. We're less about the education piece. Um, so we're less of an education company now. We're more about the tech um, and about bringing knowledge to the forefront of people that need it, being able to analyze that, uh, that knowledge. Um, we, I guess we turn words into numbers in a way that people understand or can quantify better. Um, yeah, so that's, that's how it started. I can't hear you anymore. I was just saying, I think the, the oh. way that you framed that there in terms of um, <clears throat> words into numbers, um, it, you can, you can uh, 
kind of picture with that with what you can possibly do in your own organization um, yeah i'll write that down i'll, I'll repeat that in future then <laughs> <laughs> um so it sounds like your your dad's part of your journey how would your how would your parents describe what you're doing like what's the I saw that question it made me laugh because I think they probably know more than most parents do about what we do. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if they had to describe what my bit of the organization is, so they know what Fluence does inside out. Um, but if I had to describe my bit, they'd probably say I do the businessy bit. They'd, they'd probably just say, oh yeah, gender's business. Um, and then I actually text some of my friends saying, thinking that they would have some really funny answers. You know, what would you say I do? And, um, they came back, to be honest, it nearly made me cry. They're very, very sweet. They're very nice about what they thought I did um, in terms of just, you know, doing lots of different things to make um, people succeed and looking after others. I, I really like that. But at the core of it, gender's business. So I wear lots of different hats and I wear whichever one will um, help the business the most at that time. So I do things, I mean, operations is the main bit, which in our situation includes growing the tech team, looking after the team, making sure everyone's happy. We do have someone who does HR here, but I think um, as one of the founders, kind of making sure that we're getting the right culture right, it's yeah. really important to us. Um, I do, I now picked up marketing. I love doing the business development strategy. I, I like trying to sort of do the client management parts as well. So I guess I spin a lot of the plates until we can get someone else in to take, take it on. I think this is the thing with startups is that trying to wear all those hats, um, yes. you get to experience quite a lot of the, the variance of those roles as you try to establish your businesses. Um, so how long have you been going for Jen? Um, so it's going to be our third birthday. Happy birthday. But the actual tech, the actual tech has been going on for longer than that. I'd say rapid English has probably been looking at the tech for two years as well. So I'd say the tech's probably coming to about, five years old, but the actual company incorporation happened. Just coming up to three. Well, happy birthday. Thanks. <laughs> I incorporated it on the um, day of my dad's birthday, actually, because then I thought I'll always remember what date the company was incorporated. That's so. a smart idea. Put it, put yeah. it into <laughs> some, other, some other milestone in the diary. Um, yeah, so you, <laughs> poor dad, nice to share. Exactly. So you, you've... You've done some business development. You've, you've worked with a number of clients. I'd really like to kind of uh, look at what was some of the, um, what were some of the, the issues that you solved for a client that um, you didn't expect when you managed to get some of the results from it? Because, you know, you're, you're providing mm. sense making off the back of it. Did you? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we have. So with every, with every client that we've received content for, there's always been something that's emerged that we weren't expecting to the point now that we're expecting not to, we're expecting the unexpected. Um, but early on, that would have been things like writing style, having more impact than sometimes knowledge or subject sort of topicality in any given writing. That was more in the education front. Um, from a more regulatory um, situation ambiguous language it seems quite obvious actually that um, ambiguous language will get people into hot water but actually um, one of the things that we weren't necessarily expecting is that there seems to be a threshold of how many topics or how many thoughts you can have in any given sentence or subject sometimes even document without causing confusion 
So whilst if you go through it um, like a lawyer might, um, it's all very logical and actually it makes sense. In terms of humans being able to interpret it, it would cause challenges. And we've been able to pinpoint different functions. So if someone's in a finance function, actually they're going to interpret this more easily uh, or the way that was designed to interpret more easily than let's say someone from, I don't know, I'm gonna make it up from the marketing section because you'll each have your own hound, right? You each have your own responsibilities and you want to be reading or you want to be getting different information from it. Um, and that's not always the intention of what's there. That's really, really interesting. So that's been one of them. That's really interesting. Is that specific enough? <laughs> that's very specific, yeah. Um, so what keeps you going? No. Other than lots of tea, <laughs> sometimes yeah. Red Bull. Um, in terms of vision, I, so I've always liked a little hustle. I've, you know, I sold my parents breakfast before I could cook properly and certainly clean the kitchen. And I've always liked to try and create something. Um, so I, I'm driven by that. I, I, I like the idea of building a business. That's really at the heart of it. But it became much more than that. I really see this technology being able to help people really excel in their roles and organizations as well. Not even the individual people that obviously make up a collective, but even helping collectives. It's, you know, when you see headlines and someone's got a fine for doing X, Y, or Z, it's not their intention. It's an oversight usually or not at capacity or not having the right tools. So I love the idea that we would be able to fix that. I would love in the future that if everyone could verify their documents with Fluence, they'd feel a bit happier that it's going to be okay and that if something does come back, they'd have some real analytics to say, okay, well, this was released because of this, this, this. And that was within a scope that we were happy with as an organization at the time. You might want to then review it, of course. But at that point in time, that decision was very clear. Yeah. That's quite, that's quite a big ambition. It is a big ambition. I'm a big fan of the uh, pro-con list. I'm just doing that in crazy format now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So some, this is, you know, what you're trying to solve here is quite a complex issue. Um, has quite a lot of yeah. technology at the heart of it. Um, but fundamentally, as you've identified, is actually a human one. Um, what challenges yeah. have you encountered along your way then in terms of trying to grow the business? I know for me personally, um, you know, trying to grow a business can be quite lonely at times, trying to get clients to get on board with what you're trying to, mm -hmm. not necessarily trying to sell, but to try and get them on board with your vision. Yeah. I, and I'm really lucky. I have Dave as a co-founder. Um, we'll very much ride or die in it together. Being married as well, that's a double whammy. Say, for the audience, Dave is your husband. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, and I think that's, just having a co-founder does help it be less lonely. It doesn't mean that we aren't lonely in it together sometimes. Um, we actually went away for a weekend recently down to Newquay and we invited a couple of friends and they all happen to be founders of a business or, or have their own business. And we, we didn't do it by design. I wouldn't say most of my friends do have their own business. I'd say it's not even 50-50. So it's just a coincidence of the group of people we got together but there was something really nice about it. When we were talking about work, and we didn't talk about it loads. It's just everyone really got it. So people would sneak off with a laptop for a quiet hour and everyone got it. It was really cool. So I think sometimes 
the founder saying it is important to surround yourself with other people in a similar situation because whilst other people can empathize it's, it's like any situation it's the more similar you are the the more you feel connected to people or, or that empathy kind of rings true you can sort of get something from their experience um yeah so that's the sort of foundry bit and then in terms of getting clients on board we didn't have the words to describe what we're trying to do for people and you know when we look back at one of the early pitch decks they've did is it really is very similar to what we're saying now um but what we're saying to people now is so much more applied and i'll probably listen back to this in three months or six months time and think goodness has our language moved on a lot that doesn't seem very clear at all and it seems that we keep evolving how we're able to communicate what we do and, and the reason why that's a challenge for us is our technology has been built in a ubiquitous way so it can be applied to absolutely anything. Anything that you want a massive content to go through and you can train it what good or bad looks like and it's that's calling it very basic. You could use whatever metrics you want. Any situation that would apply to, we could work in. And I think since choosing regulatory organizations and sort of government bodies or departments, that's been so much easier to describe they you know they're the authority they're the, they're the people that people look to they're the ones that get the signs and they get things wrong that's made it so much clearer for us already and i imagine in you know six to twelve months time when we've got more clients using it in exactly that way that'll be even easier um our early examples were always in the education field which works great for people in education but we've evolved from that so explaining it explaining the idea getting people on board i think that's the challenge having the words yeah it's a, it's evolving that isn't it i think your yeah. technology actually kind of underpins that as well around sense making and mm. helping your clients make sense of what you're what you're trying to put in to their hands as well can be i know fun. um i want to follow yeah, that up maybe with eventually so, go on sorry Dom. that's okay I was going to ask you, um, so off the back of that, then, you know, you kind of identified a few things there, but what do you wish you'd really known before you started out? I wish I pre appreciated time off and holidays more. Yeah. That is not the same thing in your own business. A week off is not the same. I mean, I love weeks off still, don't get me wrong. I think they're really important, but it's not the same. Even when I'm being really good and I leave all the tech behind, it's not the same. I, yeah. So I wish I appreciated that more. I feel like parents might say the same thing um, about you know their time off. I, I feel the same just with the business. Um, what else do I wish I knew? I'm never gonna easily work for someone else again, I don't think. But I don't think that would stop me, to be honest. Um, oh, actually, there is one. There's one that I can think of consultants or not consultants but experts when i was younger even i'd say a year ago um i always assumed that people who've had more experience and have worked in a field would know way better than me what to do and i, I really put a lot of trust in other people's expertise i didn't trust myself enough so i would go back to my younger self and say listen to other people because i have learned a lot and i do always learn a lot from other people and it is how i like to get knowledge but then reflect on it and apply it 
and and use it in a way that makes sense to me because actually no one knows your business as well or your sector as well as you do most of the time yeah so which that's ties in, one of the biggies that ties in quite nicely to what you were saying about um university life and then applying you know you can have all this theory and it's good having all this you know direct knowledge but applying it there's a lot of tacit knowledge that sits alongside that that you need to experience yeah. that you need to do um so you talked a little bit about holidays there um so how do you organize your your day and your week do you have a method i know i'm experimenting with a few things uh, I, you? yeah okay i i don't have very many rules um i I'm, I'm a big lover of rules but i believe if you have one you have to stick to it as much as you can and so i like fewer things so i try not to travel on a monday and a friday i like to come in on a monday and kick off the week by highlighting the week's activities to the team. So I send a little email round with just any big, you know, who's in the office when. Um, I don't always go through, like Monday, Tuesday, I don't always go through the whole week. But so I, I like to do that because we're small enough where people should know that, um, and especially when people are coming in. Um, also, if Dave and I are traveling, it's handy for people to know when we're in, when we're out, so they can manage their own weeks. Um, and then I also include this is actually something that I've um, stolen or read about from uh, Matilda Collin from Front. And she has this great thing where, and I've adapted it, but I've got um, three sections of the email. I've got things to know, things to do, and things to share. So I'll always have normally between one and three bullet points for each, depending on the week. And um, yeah, it just sets people up, keeps people in the loop. We've got our registered trademark, I let people know about that. It's very easy not to tell everyone, and people be like, oh, why is this happening? But it meant that then that a few weeks later when I sent around the logo with the new little R symbol in it, I was like, oh, and look, here's the updated logo and this is where you can find it. It's just a great way for people to have a bit of information in a way that they can absorb when at their time so people know like, okay, I'm going to quickly read through this. And it's not very long. I don't normally write, right? I speak a lot longer than I write. <laughs> yeah, likewise, likewise, unless I'm caffeinated <laughs> as you are familiar yeah. with. <laughs> um, so which is on a regular basis um so you, you mentioned you mentioned mentioned somebody there I'd, I'd like to kind of um spend the last few minutes just um kind of thinking a little bit about the future and the people that inspire you um do you do you have any people um that inspires you and and why could be anybody people i know or people like that i follow or or both either, or either like what what kind of motivates you and inspires you um i i like reading um short thing <laughs> so I, I read a lot of medium articles um so matilda uh for colin from front she has some really cool articles about managing a team um communication i mean given that front is sort of a, a front end um inbox uh, sort of tool that makes sense so yeah I, I get bits from her really like that Joel from Buffer you probably remember him as well so I think the way he blogs in such a transparent way about building a business um, everything's just right there and I, I, I by no means managed to catch everything but when I'm looking at stuff I'm like oh I wonder what if Joel's written anything on this so I do I do go back and have a little look and I think having known him from that very first startup thing helps as well um, and then it, people inspiring me I mean on a day-to-day -day basis being around the team being around everyone here we we just we're at a point now that's really really nice there's nine of us in the office and we each 
contribute and collaborate in such a great way. I really want to grow the team. I am going to be growing the team. But part of me is just really treasuring what we have right now because we just get on. And it doesn't mean we socialize all the hours outside of the office together. It, it's not like that. I think we offer a really good sort of you're at work when you're at work and then when you're at home, you've got other people and other things to do. But I just like where we are right now and seeing how hard the team contributes to getting their deadlines or they, they do this extra thing because wouldn't that be cool if, if we could only just do that? that? I find that really inspiring. That's a really nice culture you've built there, Jen. Thanks. So is there anything that, uh, anything I should have asked but haven't? Coming into the last bit. I can't, I can't think of anything, no. No? No, I don't think so. I have, I have one big question for you then. So um, I want you to imagine oh, that the year is 2040. Um, yep. What does the world know you for? Yeah, the world, hey? <laughs> so I don't know about the world, but cause I, I, you know, with age, I'm getting shyer and shyer. So for someone who talks a lot, I'm more shy than I seem. But what I would like is for people that know me and people that work with me, I would love for them to know me as being a very creative problem solver, positive, um, really being able to give back and help others. I really want to help others on their career, so with influence. I want to help um, the clients that we work with, partners that we might grow together with I, I i love all the all those really rich human interactions um so I, I guess i'd love to be known for someone who builds a really good team to someone who's like oh, you know what that's she's got some really good people around her I, that's what i'd like to be known for that's beautiful jen thank you um so at this point <laughs> i just want to say thanks very much for being a good sport um i think you've covered quite a thank lot thank you this has been fun yeah, and I think we could, we could pull at that itch a little bit more around you know, the culture of teams, how you build them, um, and yep. you know, what's it like running an AI company in this kind of environment. Um, yep. I really want to thank you very much for, for joining the podcast today. Um, and for those of you, those who are listening who do have questions and want to keep in touch with you and learn more about your journey, what's the best way they can do that? Yeah, so find me on um, LinkedIn. I'm Jennifer Hort, spelled H-O-R-E. Um, there's not very many of us on LinkedIn, so I should be easy to find. Or um, on Twitter, I am J underscore K underscore Schofield, my maiden name. Maiden name. And if they were to buy you a, <laughs> a drink, is it tea, coffee or other? Always tea. Always Love tea. It. Maybe a hot chocolate if I'm feeling naughty. Okay. Hot <laughs> chocolates it is. Jen, thanks very much for your time today and wish you all the best in your business. Thanks, Tom.